You may remember <coughs> that we started a new series out of Hebrews chapter 11 called Faith to Move Mountains. We looked at the example of Abel, the example of Enoch, and the example of Noah. And we saw how faith is the impact our lives. Specifically, we saw how faith is the impact our worship, faith is the impact our walk, faith is the impact our work, and faith is the impact our witness. And the thing that stood out to me in that, that study we had last week was that phrase that said, without faith is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Well, God is my Father, so I want to please my Father. He's my Heavenly Father. He's perfect. And so, here I am imperfect, but yet I want to please my Heavenly Father. And we saw that the way that we please our Father is that we believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, and the provision that Jesus made for us upon the cross, and the promise that Jesus would give us eternal life and fill us with grace. And by doing so, we become pleasing to our Father. I believe that the majority of people in this room, if not every one of you, have faith in Jesus Christ. I believe you have a personal profession of faith in Jesus Christ. You have, uh, you have experienced faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm not as concerned about your experience with Christ what I want to talk about is your expression of your faith in Christ. Not salvation experience, but salvation expression. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Because reality, that's how faith is revealed to the people we come in contact, contact with. So how do we do that? How do we express our faith? How do we express the faith that we say that we have experienced? How do we do that? There's only one way. It's through obedience. It's by obedience. Today, we'll go look at Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 19, as we continue the series on faith to move mountains. And we'll go look at the example of one man. This man is the name of Abraham. Abraham is known throughout scriptures. He's known as the father of our faith. Because Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Not because of what Abraham did, but because of what Abraham believed. Because of what Abraham believed, he had faith in God. God accredited to him as righteousness. And then we will see that this man who has had faith, he lived out his faith. We're going to look at these words this morning under the heading, Be Obedient. Be Obedient. Let's read these words. In Hebrews 11, 8 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land that a stranger, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted 
that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Some interesting words. Four truths that I pull out of here uh, about faith and about obedience. The first one you see is be obedient. Even when you do not know where you are going. Be obedient even when you do not know where you are going. Look at verse 8 again. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. I want you to underline a few words here. <clears throat> underline that first one, when called. When called, and then underline the words obeyed and went. When called, obeyed and went. Because that, you understand the, the idea of what Abraham did. You put it all together. When Abraham was called, he obeyed and he went. The idea is immediately he responded. That's the way it comes out in the original Hebrew. He immediately responded. There was no hesitation. There was no guesswork. He, God said do it and he obeyed and he went. Literally, as he was being called, Abraham obeyed and he went. He already had faith in God. But now he demonstrates his faith in God by his obedience to what God said. This is the illustration of faith. Listen, Abraham was asked, leave your home. Leave your family. Leave your culture. Leave your friends. Leave your security. Leave everything behind that you hold dear and go to a place I'm going to show you. So Abraham left everything that he held dear. Verse 9 says that Abraham even dwelled in tents. In other words, he didn't really have a place to live. He lived as a nomad going from place to place. And we know from the study of Scripture that the only place that Abraham ever owned was a grave. That's it. He never received the promise of the promised land. But he kept looking forward to it. He kept looking for it. But the only place he ever owned was the cave at Bechpelah where he was laid to rest. We need to have the faith of Abraham. A faith that obeys when we do not know where we are going. Last week we said that God speaks to us. And when God speaks to us, he says, I'm about to ask you to do something and I want you to trust me. God says, I'm about to ask you to do something that is so out of the ordinary, that, that seems so strange to you. He said, but I'm asking you to trust me is what God said. And too many times uh, we, we limit God. Uh, we, we say, well, God, I, I, I'll follow you if, if you work within this framework. God, I'll obey you, but you have to let me control the outcome. I know what it's like in my own personal life. I remember years ago when I, had, I first surrendered to, the, to, uh, to preach, to surrender to the pastorate, yeah, I, didn't know, I didn't know why God called me to preach. I'd never preached a sermon in my life. 
I think I had two sermons. The one I preached on the day that, the, uh, that I was called in my church and another one in my back pocket. That's it. Uh, I said, oh, man, Lord, what are you doing? But anyway, I was faithful. And so I began pursuing an opportunity. I was serving as a youth minister. And, and I began pursuing an opportunity. I was going to Southwest Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And I knew that, that if I was going to be obedient, I had to be within a 100-mile radius of Southwest Seminary. Why? Because I figured that's what I could drive you know, in a day to get back and forth to school. Because I knew God told me to finish my education. And so I began drawing a circle, a 100-mile radius around Fort Worth, Texas. I mean, I was pretty specific. I drew a 100-mile radius around Seminary Drive because I wanted to make sure I gave myself some little leeway. And, and, and God never opened the door for me. I began praying and looking for opportunities. God never opened the door. And then I remembered that God, they, Southwestern also had an extension in Dallas, Texas. And they also had an extension in Houston, Texas. So I proceeded to think, well, okay, I'll draw a 100-mile radius around Dallas. See, that kicked me a little further east. And I'll draw a 100-mile radius around Houston. You know, I, I can do that. And so I began, I did that. I began sending out all these, uh, these responses and stuff of churches in the area. I said, you know, all this, nothing. Nothing. Uh, you know, I looked at my resume. I said, I would have called me. You know. <laughs> and nothing happened. And finally, I said, you know what, God? After much prayer, I said, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Wherever you want me to go, God, I'll do it. And within two weeks, he opened up a pastorate in Marlin, Texas. Look, folks, nobody plans to go to Marlin. I love Marlin, okay? I love Marlin. You know what? It didn't meet any of my criteria. It was not 100 miles from Dallas. It wasn't 100 miles from Fort Worth. And it wasn't 100 miles from Houston. It was kind of halfway in between all of them. But the minute I released control and I gave control to God, he opened up a path for me. He's opened up a path to me. Some of us do not know where God may send us. We do not know what God has planned. But you see, we want to control God instead of allowing God to control us. Listen, God will not be controlled by anyone. He is sovereign. He is supreme. We need to let God control us. We say, if God would do it my way, then I'll follow God. We make certain decisions, and if God would allow us to determine that outcome, we would do it. So we're hesitant. Imagine it like this. You have a destination that you have to go to. You're in your car, and you're driving at night. You know you have to get the destination, but you can't see what's in front of you. You can't. you got headlights, but you can only see so far with your headlights, and you just can't see what lies ahead. So because of fear, because I can't see what lies beyond my headlights, I'm not going to go. And so you never reach your destination. You're frozen in fear. We talked about that last week, that fear many times keeps us from moving forward. But then others of us, we get in our car, say, I've got a destination to go to. And we have the headlights, and the headlights shine so far, but then we discover as we begin to move a little further, the headlights shine further down the road. And the further we go, the headlights shine a little bit further down the road. And we eventually find ourselves at the destination because... We've taken that step of faith. Here's the truth I want you to grasp from that. The best way to follow God tomorrow is to walk in the light you have today. That's the best way to follow God. Because we don't know what lies ahead, but we know who holds our future, do we not? So that's the best way to follow God. 
Tomorrow is the walk in the light you have today. But so many of us refuse to do it. Well, we just refuse to trust God and believe Him. But faith is being obedient even when you do not know where you are going. There's no such thing as faith without obedience. There's none. It's God's prerogative to call us. It's our privilege to respond. It's God's prerogative to call us. It's our privilege to respond. To respond is obedience. To not respond is disobedience. There's no gray areas. There, there's no, you can't say, uh, God, I'll follow you later. Uh, God, I'll do it later. When I'm retired, God, then I'll do it. When my children are grown, God, then I'll do it. Well, when, when I'm through with this job, then I'll do it. God says, no, no. Obedience now. Now. We may, we may have to obey even when we do not know what lies ahead. Abraham did not know what God had in store for him. But he knew who he was obeying. And so by faith, he obeyed. We need to follow his example in our own lives as well. Second truth, be obedient even when you do not know how God will keep his promise. Be obedient even when you do not know how God will keep his promise. Look at verse 11. By faith. You get the trend here? By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Abraham did this. Verse 11. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. God had made a promise to Abraham. Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. But everything was against Abraham. When he made that promise, God made that promise to Abraham, he was 75 years old. And let me tell you, Sarah was no spring chicken herself, all right? Uh, uh, you ladies know what I'm talking about, all right? She was nine years younger than Abraham, which made she meant she was 66. I don't know of any 66-year-old women that are having children today. Uh, there's some 75-year-old men that are having children. Not 66-year-old women. Uh, that's what the promise made. It didn't happen. What Abraham hoped for seemed impossible. Uh, there's no way this can happen. By all earthly standards, there was no way that Abraham and Sarah should have children. And look, it wasn't like they didn't know what caused children, okay? I I'm sure that they kind of knew what was going on. You know, they knew about physical anatomy. They knew how it worked, all right? So it's not like this was something new to them. They said, it hasn't happened for us in the past, but now God says it's going to happen in the future. You see, they believed that God was able to keep his promise, even though they did not know how he would keep it. Doubt says, how can this be? Faith says, how will this be? be. That's the difference. It's true. They tried other methods. And we know that got them in trouble. And we're still reaping. I say reaping. We're still living in the results of Abraham's disobedience with Hagar. We're still living in it today. Don't ever tell me that one man's disobedience can infect an entire world. It can. Just as one man's obedience can save an entire world. Jesus Christ. 
It didn't happen until 24 years later. Do the math. It means that Abraham was 99 and Sarah was 90. God kept his promise. Faith is being obedient even when you do not know how God will keep his promise. I'm sure there are many times that Abraham and Sarah had some doubts. 24 years they had to wait for God to fulfill that promise. We need that same kind of true faith today. And it's not as easy to do as it is to talk about. Abraham and Sarah doubted. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that both of them laughed. Uh, we always give Sarah a hard time. But go back and look at it. It says Abraham laughed also. They both laughed. And the, and the angel responded to Abraham, Is anything too hard for the Lord? It's the same thing that the angel Gabriel said to Mary when Mary discovered that she was going to conceive a child by the Holy Spirit, which would be Jesus Christ. And, and, and she said, how can this be? How can this be? And the angel Gabriel said, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. God took two situations, a 90-year-old barren, dried-up womb woman, and he sent forth Isaac, and he took a woman of 14, 15 years old, who had never had relations with a man, and she conceived. Nothing is impossible with God. It's difficult to accept in this day and age in which we live because we live in a day of facts. We live in a day of figures. We live in a day of data. We live in a, in a day of the computer. Man, just go to Google and you can Google anything. You can find anything you want. And when we hear about God's promises to the world in which we live and we look at the situation, we doubt. And we don't really believe. We begin to laugh and we begin to doubt. Listen, we do not have to know how God will fulfill his promises. We just got to know that he will. That's all we have to do. We just believe that his will. That's the nature of faith. That's what faith is all about. Third truth, be obedient even when you do not know when God will fulfill his promise. It says that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob never saw the fulfillment of the promise. But they continue to be faithful through their obedience. Look at verse 13. All these people who? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Even though it's true of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all three of them is best illustrated in Abraham. As we saw, the only part of Abraham, only part of the promised land he ever inherited was the tomb. He lived as a nomad, as we saw. But he never relinquished his faith in God. He was obedient through all those times. The Bible says that they lived as aliens and strangers in this land where God had them. They knew they were temporary residents, but they were laying up for themselves treasures in heaven, treasures in a place that they could not see, not here on earth. That they proved that they were looking for something better. If they wanted to have something of security, they could have went back to earth. They could have went back to the land of their, of their family, to the land of their culture, to the land of their friends, to the land of the security. They had plenty of opportunities. But, but he knew, he knew that God had promised him something, so he ventured forward in faith. 
trusting God, do what he said he would do. In verse 16, it says that, and I love this part, verse 16, it says, Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Listen, Abraham was not perfect. Isaac was not perfect. Jacob was not perfect. But they took God at his word and they trusted him and they moved forward. And as a result, it says that when people live like that, when, when they live that kind of, kind of life with that heavenly vision and they start living their life as strangers and pilgrims and aliens in this world, it says that God is not, listen, look what it says, God is not ashamed to be called their God. What a wonderful thought. God is not ashamed to be called their God. Now, before you get all bent out of shape about that, because that will mess up your theology. Notice what it does not say. It does not say their actions cause God to love them more. That's not what it says. It says their actions, their obedience, cause God to be proud of them. Cause God to be proud of them. Not ashamed, but proud. As parents, we understand that, do we not? We love all of our children, do we not? I hope you love all of your children. And you don't love one better than the other. You may love them differently, but you love them all. You love them all. But there's sometimes that your son or your daughter does something really extraordinary. You know, whatever that may be. And you go, that's my boy. That's my girl. It's not that you love them any better. What? You're proud of them, are you not? We're proud of what they got, whatever that is. They make an A, they, they, get, a, they, they get, a, get an excellent on their ensemble, or, or they hit the home run, or they, 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 pitch a, they pitch a great game, or whatever it is. We're proud of them. Why is it that we think that we who are sinful can be proud of our children, and a God who is perfect can't be proud? He can be proud. When we obey... When we live that kind of faith out of obedience, it says in Scripture that God is not ashamed to be called their God. He's not ashamed. We know that we can please God. As it says, last week we learned that our obedience puts a smile on God's face. How about us? How about you? It's possible to please God. We know we're just passing through. We know this is not our home, that we are just passing through, that God has a better place for us, there's a better home waiting. Many people do not like that idea. Uh, they, they want to have something on here. They want to own a piece of the rock. Uh, they, they want to go for the gusto right now. So they react against this idea of pilgrim faith. They believe this pilgrim faith detaches itself from any concern with the world. You know, they have a, a problem with this uh, pie-in-the-sky, by-and-by attitude. And there is a danger. There is a danger where we become so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good. There is that danger. And I believe that's a sin. I, I believe that's what it is. But Christian hope... It's not a retreat from the world. Instead, it's a challenge to us to become involved as servants and witnesses in the world. Who better equipped 
to minister to the world. Who better equipped to, to uh, focus on the world than those that have no attachment here to the world? We know what lies ahead, so because we do not fear death, we're not afraid to confront the world. Because we know this is not our home, we're just passing through. So we're willing to take the risk. Because we understand that we're looking for a foundation, a home whose foundation is not built by human hands, but is built by God. Even though we do not know when God will fulfill his promise, we obey. We know that ultimately God will fulfill his promise. Abraham lived a life of faith, and he proved his faith by his obedience. Last truth, and we'll be closed. Be obedient even when you do not know why God is working the way he is. There can be little doubt that the greatest evidence of Abraham's faith was when he willingly offered his son Isaac as a sacrifice. Look at verse 17. By faith. You see in a trend? By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Understand something, my friends. When God came to Abraham and asked him to test, uh, uh, to sacrifice Isaac, he didn't say, now, Abraham, this is a test. This is a, he didn't tell him that. We have nowhere in Scripture that says that God, that Abraham knew that God was testing him. All Abraham knew, God told me to sacrifice Isaac. That's all he knew. So he made a decision to be obedient to God, even though he did not know why God was working the way he was. I'm sure his heart was grieved. I'm sure his heart was hurt. But he decided his faith in God was more important than his love for his son. And he believed God. Remember, Isaac is the child of promise. Remember that God specifically told Abraham, Abraham, it's through Isaac that I am going to fulfill the promises to you to make you a nation, to make a great nation out of you, to bless all the nations. What a tremendous act of faith. What a tremendous act of obedience on Abraham's part. Midnight in the pilgrimage of faith is when the command of God is on a collision course with the promise of God. Midnight in the pilgrimage of faith is when the command of God is on a collision course with the promise of God. God had promised Abraham, Isaac is where the promise will be fulfilled. Kill him. Kill him. Sacrifice him to me. That's the ultimate test of faith. Abraham determined in his mind that his faith in God and his obedience to God was more important than his love for his own son. He did not understand why God was working the way he was, but he trusted God. How about us? How's our faith in God? I'm afraid when we compare our faith to Abraham's faith, it's pretty shallow. It's pretty weak. Listen, faith in God is tough. 
and sometimes it's complicated. We believe God is good. We believe God is great. Yet circumstances sometimes seem to imply either that God does not care or that God cannot do anything. And to continue to trust God is not always easy. But that's the essence of true faith. Being obedient to God, even in the midst of circumstances, even when you don't know why God is working the way he is, even though you, you, you don't know why, how he's going to do it. Perhaps you're going through a divorce. It's a difficult divorce. And you don't see God working in that situation. Listen, God's word to you is be faithful, be obedient, even though you don't know why God is working the way he is. Perhaps you're in a situation where, where you have rebellious children they're rebelling against you. They're rebelling against God. And God's word to you is, you keep being faithful to me. You keep being obedient to me. You keep doing what you're called to do, even though you don't know what I'm doing. You keep doing it. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've lost a, a source of income. Maybe it's an illness that has overwhelmed you and your family. And you're sitting there and you don't understand why all this is happening in your life. God's word to you is you be obedient. You be obedient. It's not easy to trust in God and be obedient. But we ought to be obedient to him even in the difficult times of life. And we need to be rest, rest assured that life's pains and life's injustices are only temporary. Only temporary because there is something better waiting for us. There's something that, that outweighs everything this world has to offer us. Does not compare to the riches of glory. Does not compare. Faith is being obedient even when you do not know why God is working the way he is. What is God calling you to do? in your life. There's no age timeline here. Whether you're 8 or 80, in our church it's 9 to 90. There's no time limit. What is God calling you to do? More specifically, what is God calling us as a church to do? Is he asking us to step walk by faith or is he asking us to walk by sight I'm telling you folks if we walk by sight we will never be obedient because faith sees what God sees sight sees what we see God's challenge to you as an individual is to be obedient God's challenge to us as a corporate body of believers is to be obedient can I, may I submit to you that's much harder than the other? You know why? Because all it takes is for one of us to be disobedient. And the whole body can't be obedient. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you try to get up in the morning, some parts of your body just do not want to get up. <laughs> it said, Lord, the mind is willing, but the flesh is weak. You'll catch that when you go home. Listen, I do not know what tomorrow holds. But you know the rest. But I know who holds tomorrow. The question is, 
Will you trust a God with your tomorrow? Will you trust Him? Because if we will, as individuals and as a body, guess what? We will unleash the power of God. We will unleash what God can do and not what we can do. In a moment, we're going to have a time for you to respond. We're not going to belabor the point. If you feel that God is asking you to do something, we want you to step out immediately. Take me by the hand and say, Pastor, this is what I believe God is telling me to do. Pastor, would you pray with me? Would you help me in this difficult time? We'll do that. We'll be here. Josh will be here. Marcy's going to make her way down. Would you stand with me as we pray?